We are back, and we are absolutely pumped, excited, ecstatic for this upcoming weekend of College Football, unless you're a Florida or LSU fan. But more on that later. The Blue Bloods are back to preview all the biggest storylines, games, everything of a loaded Week 7 of college football. We bring you two segments today. As we always do, Pick 6 kicks it off where we preview six of the biggest and best games of the weekend. And then we're going to wrap it up. It's yours, it's your mama's, it's your girlfriend's, it's your cousin's, it's everybody's favorite segment. It is Brandon's Gambling Corner, where Brandon makes you guys all the money in the world, unless it's, what, the last two weeks when I actually would probably make you more money. But it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's his gambling segment. It's his gambling segment. We'll get into records later. But guys, we have a full show today, so let's go ahead and kick it off. Week seven probably has one of the most uh, packed, exciting schedules of you know the season so far, and you know we're we got pick six today. Uh, we it was originally pick seven, but just an FYI, the Florida LSU game canceled because Florida had a COVID outbreak. That's so much, so much for packing the swamp. By the way, like what what right. an insane statement to make. They were they were going to have almost a hundred thousand people in that stadium, and now the almost the entire team has COVID, and coaches have COVID. Everybody's got COVID down in you know Gainesville, but hey, Florida doesn't believe in COVID, so let them do their thing, Brandon. And you know, it's actually probably a good thing because Kyle Pitts was going to be hurt, Miles Brennan's banged up. I mean, it actually gives both teams a chance to get healthy, so it actually probably worked in the favor. But um, they're targeting December twelfth as the date to maybe play this game, which I, I guess that's assuming uh, that neither team's going to make the SEC championship. Um, well, actually, but, I read – hold on. So is the SEC championship the 12th or is it supposed to be December 19th? I thought I read I think it. It's the, I, I think it's the 19th yeah, now. Because I saw but, that like if, they, if teams had to make up games – this is before it got postponed – but it was like teams can make it up after the SEC championship game. I was like, well, that might cause a few issues, but sure. Yeah, um, it, it really caused a few issues because now if, let's say, one of those teams – it's not LSU because they're probably out of it, but Florida. Well, easy. Um, yeah, well, they don't get that bye week that their opponent would probably get, so that's a big thing. Um, but we got some other COVID news later on in this segment. But, Brandon, let's go ahead and kick this off. It's a huge AAC matchup. The number eight Cincinnati Bearcats against the Tulsa Golden Hurricanes. You might be asking, why this game? Well, the Tulsa Golden Hurricanes are looking for another huge conference upset after taking down UCF on the road two weeks ago. And, you know, Brandon, this, this, the reason I picked this game is the upset tour of 2020 continues. Brandon, in their first two games, Tulsa has faced number seven Oklahoma State and number eleven UCF, and almost and almost beat Oklahoma State and did beat UCF. So, do you think they can get another big upset this weekend against Cincinnati? Yeah, um, 
I don't know if they get that upset, but but something very important to me uh, will will come into play when I choose my final score, Zach. Um, I, I don't know. I think the Cincinnati team's really good. Obviously, I mean they're three and zero this season, but they've played Austin P, South Florida, and Army. So I don't know how good they actually are. You know, you, you want them to be good, of course, because you and I. I mean, we're on the Desmond Ritter train until we die. Apparently, like we we loved yeah, this kid I, I, last season. I got to show him some tough love. After this, I, I got to break Fair it down enough. for you guys because he's been a disappointment. Well, yeah, I mean, that, he, he's like the kid that you want to love so bad, but man, he, he can't get he can't get it right. So um, I don't know. Uh, Tulsa, I mean, one and one. Can you really judge them on that, though? Because their only loss was that game that we kind of thought they would beat Oklahoma State in week one. They should they, they should have beat Oklahoma State really and truly. Right. And so. I mean, when I when I got on ESPN first to to even look at this matchup, uh, I was shocked because I saw that the Power Football Index has uh, or Football Power Index has Tulsa at sixty percent winning this game. <laughs> so I was like, "How in the world is that the case?" And then I remembered. Yeah, you know, I went back a couple weeks in my head. I know it's hard. People forget things a lot. Uh, me especially. And so, I mean, you can only eat so many wings and drink so much beer before you just your memory goes to nothing. So. Um, uh, this Tulsa team's good, man. They, they really, really are. Uh, did they have a game scheduled that got canceled or something at some point? Yeah, like I feel like uh, I, I feel like September nineteenth to October third is like a big gap. Yeah, they had a few. They had multiple games. I think that got canceled. They, there's just been so many outbreaks. I think really and truly, there's only there's really only been a handful of teams that have gotten lucky enough not to have you know cancellations, especially in this you know group. Like I guess yeah, group of five conferences, man. I mean. The AAC has been just ravaged. I mean, you look at Memphis going over a month to play. SMU had a game canceled. Uh, Cincinnati had a game rescheduled. I mean, and then you got, what, Appalachian State got canceled. And then, then the game, you know, we're recording on Wednesday, the game tonight, Coastal Carolina um, versus Louisiana Lafayette got postponed back because of some COVID stuff. And that game got rescheduled last week because of another COVID outbreak. So I, I think this group of five schools are just getting ravaged by the rescheduling due to COVID. Yeah. And they obviously don't have the same kind of money to take the same kind of precautions as, as maybe a power five school does in a lot of cases. I mean, I can't speak for every school, but uh, you know, for the, Florida, Florida. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks Florida. I hate it so much that LSU can't go play Florida in Gainesville this weekend. Man, if only they could go play that game right now. Uh, I don't it know gets, what I would do. It gets, it gets 60 scored on them. Uh, see, Zach, the thing is, we'll never know if that would have happened. So so we'll move we'll on find out December that. 12th. Nah, we'll, December 12th. We'll talk about it another day. Um, <laughs> but, but, wow, I, did you realize that UCF and Oklahoma State were both number 11 when Tulsa played them? That's, I mean, yeah. this is – this is spur of the moment, guys. I mean, this is a new development yeah. for me. But how how fun? I, I did. How fun is that? I, hey, that they are getting the luck of the draw, aren't they? They're, they're going to find out exactly how good they are in the first three weeks of the season. It's like, congrats, you get three straight top eleven matchups, yeah, in a row so. with, with a new quarterback and new. Uh, it's just insane. But you know, Brandon, we both were really house Cincinnati last year uh, going yeah, we into the season. Uh, even stronger this year. But the reason that we thought they would be the top dog in the AAC is not the reason they have been so far. I mean, like I said earlier, Desmond Ritter, I don't know what's happened to him, but he is playing 
uh, abysmal. Is that a good word? You you <laughs> love that word, so probably I, I, don't know. I love uh, abysmal, you know atrocious. I, I I'm telling you, my vocabulary is expanding every day, guys. Oh, but Zach, shout out Zach for writing a blog. But uh, who knew he could read? But here we are. Um, he used the hey. word abysmal in the blog in the blog he posted today or yesterday. I did. I did. So what's going on yep. there? Yeah, I actually read uh, it, Zach. Well, I, I think it's uh, – did I use it talking about LSU's defensive play? I think, I think you did. I was I, – I, I got I got a little emotional at work today when I read that. No. Also, I also used atrocious in there too. So I'm, I'm real big on these A words um, apparently. I bet but, you big on A words. <laughs> but, Brandon, Ritter's only passed for about 600 yards, six touchdowns, and already has four interceptions. Yeah. Um, for the season. And it's been a real problem for him um, in 2020. And Brandon, the big concern for me is I like to look at trends of players. I mean, we've talked about this multiple times. If a player is constantly improving, that's a great sign. But once that downward trajectory starts to occur in a player, I start getting worried. And ever since he won AAC Rookie or Newcomer of the Year, whatever you want to dub it, he last year, Brandon, from his freshman season, he dropped a completion percentage passing yards, yards per attempt, touchdowns, and QBR. And he d- almost doubled his interceptions. And this year he's thrown four compared to his freshman year of five. So he's almost passed himself in only three games. Right. That's, that's um, not – it's never good. Um, it's been, No. Gosh. And he's still somehow better than Zach Smith, Tulsa's quarterback. <laughs> we'll get to him in a second. Don't don't hate on my boy Zach Zach Smith. He's he's all right, but you know uh, I think for a player like Ritter and of Ritter's caliber, I expect that player to be improving year in a year out. And it just seems like he's regressing the more experience he gets, which really limits how high I think the Cincinnati team can go and how far they can compete in this run. I mean, Brandon, they're eighth in the country. Yeah. And that's with Pac-12 and Big Ten teams still ranked. They are eighth. Well, you're actually surprised, but I, I recall a tweet from you, Zach, that, that said they might be the first non-Power 5 team to make the playoff. Okay, it was a reaction because they're already eighth. So if they went out and the SEC big or does pulls a Big 12 and cannibalizes itself, Oklahoma State drops out, the Pac-12 doesn't go as planned because Oregon had a lot of opt-outs. So what if Keaton Slovis doesn't take that next step? Don't you dare you say t- that. I don't wish it on anybody, but you're telling me that already at number eight, they don't have at least a the best shot that a non-Power 5 team has had to make the playoff yet? I mean, I see where you're going with this. I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs. I would not put my money on that, but I'm saying they have the best chance that we've seen. They even have a better chance right now than the undefeated UCF team did because they're already ranked higher than that team was. That's fair. Um, And, you know, the biggest question for this game, Brandon, if Tulsa can pull the upset or not, is can they force Ritter into mistakes? Ritter has been lucky that they haven't faced any competition or Cincinnati would not be the eighth-ranked team in the country. Um, And Tulsa did a great job at forcing UCF into mistakes down the stretch and really got them back in the game. And that's what you can contribute their comeback win to two weeks ago. But Brandon, this Bearcats defense is why this team's undefeated. Uh, I don't know if anyone knew this, but they're the highest rated defense, according to Pro Football Focus, in the entire country right now. Really? 
Yes, they have been that good. Um, and their edge rushers, Elijah Ponder ranks first in the country in edge rush grade, and and Majad Sanders ranks sixth. So they have two top six edge defenders. And Brandon, this is going to be the craziest thing. Their secondary is allowing the lowest EPA per pass play in the country. And their top three defenders on the back end of the defense is allowing a 23.8 passer rating in coverage. Wow. Okay. Outstanding. This defense is elite, especially for a power five school. I am absolutely impressed with the Cincinnati defense, but on the other side of the ball, I mean, Tulsa's been living by turning games into sloppy tests of like who has the willpower to get through this game. Brandon, they're sco- they're allowing only 21 points a game, which isn't terrible for a team like Tulsa, but they're only scoring 20 points per game. Yeah, so I mean, that's and, where the bad part comes into play, obviously. Yeah, yeah, and they needed a huge comeback against UCF. It was what 24 to two or something like that in the first half. Right against UCF, and but the biggest positive, Brandon, you did mention Zach Smith. He's been consistent. He's been okay, not spectacular. But what about Daenerys Prince and TK Wilkerson? They both have over 100 yards rushing for the season. They've been a two-headed monster that has really kept this Tulsa team afloat while Zach Smith figures out his stuff. Um, I think the only problem is that you got to find the end zone more. Only one rushing touchdown between the two of them, but they're really good at moving the ball down the field. With Zach Smith, he's got to be explosive and dynamic to win this game. I don't think that that average kind of just consistent game manager style is going to win against the Cincinnati defense. Uh, he has four touchdowns, two interceptions on the year, so he has to be more accurate. He has to take care of the ball, and he has to find a way to push the ball down the field for Tulsa, Brandon. But I think the Cincinnati defense is too good. I think it keeps him afloat during this game, and I don't think Zach Smith is going to make the plays to outduel Desmond Ritter down the stretch. I have Cincinnati 27-13 over Tulsa. See, I've got a little bit closer, Zach, and here's the stat. Here's the the one thing that has me thinking it's going to be closer than that. Uh, believe it or not, Tulsa is 2-0 at the spread. I think they keep it up. I'm going, I'm going 24-21 uh, Cincinnati. Oh, I hate that pick. I really hate that pick. But, okay, I'll, I'll let you have it. But let's move on. Another AAC team in Houston hosting the number 14 BYU Cougars who are, Brandon, flying under the radar at best. I mean, I don't know how more teams haven't or more fans haven't been paying attention to BYU. They're five-and-a-half-point favorite right now. And, listen, I don't know if you guys know this. BYU is Inc. has been identified by multiple Sources ESPN Pro Football Focus is an outside threat for the playoffs, and Zach Wilson honestly should be a Heisman candidate. Yeah, Brandon, thoughts on that? Uh, the Mormon Manziel is back at it this season. He has he has over twelve hundred yards passing so far, eight touchdowns and only one interception on the year. I mean, and you watch this kid, and you you can just tell he's electric. I get it. They've played Troy, they've played Louisiana Tech, and they've played uh, you. They played Texas San Antonio Navy. this year. They have a, and Navy. yeah, they did. They played. I forgot. They they did play four games. In that ghost pick six game, it's not a ghost pick six game, Zach. It's not a pick six game, and, and I wish you would strike it from the record. I'll die on this hill. Um, and we've seen Houston play one game. I I don't know what did. Why did they start so late? 
Um, we got to remember their Baylor game got canceled because of COVID. Their game before the Baylor game got canceled because of COVID. <laughs> I think they had another game that got postponed due to COVID. I think t- I think teams are afraid of Houston, and they should honestly they should be. Both of these teams are really really good in their you know BYU's actually good. Houston's probably good for the AAC. Um, I'm not going to give them too much. I'm not going to talk them up too much. I mean, in their one game that they've played, I mean, they, they had nearly 500 total yards uh, overall overall offensive yards, and they only allowed 211. So, I, I mean, great on both ends of the ball, but BYU through four games so far is averaging 555 yards um, – uh, on offense, and they're holding teams to only 250 yards a game. So, I mean, they they are performing incredibly. Uh, and I get, like I said, I mean, the first thing I said was, look at their schedule. They ain't played nobody, Paul. Uh, but but here we are. Uh, I don't know. I, I I think this BYU team is good. Like I said, uh, the Mormon Manziel, Zach Wilson, he he is outstanding. I mean, he he's electric on the field. So. Uh, I don't know how this how this game is is slotted so closely. I mean, it's a five and a half point spread. ESPN has has the matchup as almost even, so I, I don't really yeah. understand that for the life of me. It's not happening. Listen, I mean, you mentioned some of his stats, but what about his six rushing touchdowns too? Right. And how about he leads the country in completion percentage, where he's completing eighty one percent of his passes. Dude, and the only reason that he's not leading his team in rushing yards is because their running back is incredible it's too. Actually, I mean, really good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, was it Ta- Tyler Algier? I mean, yeah. he's he's he has nearly four hundred yards on the season, four touchdowns. That's that's on fifty three carries. This kid's yeah, seven yards per carry. Uh, and the team doesn't collect empty yards, empty calories. They they put the ball in the end zone. They're averaging over 43 points per game as well. Um, you know, it's more than just Wilson, but Brandon, did you know Wilson is on pace to break the record for the highest greatest season by a player in pro football focus history? I did not know that, but, I mean, looking at the stats, it makes sense. He's sitting at a 95.1 grade for the entire season right now. I mean, he has an 80% completion percentage. That's insane. Through four games? That it's 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 impressive. The kid is a stud. I mean, you're this is he's showing you why they pulled off that USC upset last year. He this kid it's really good. He was hurt part of last year for BYU, but he's putting it all together and for Houston you know, you say they ain't played nobody, Paul, for BYU. You could say the same for Houston. I mean, Tulane's not the same team after all those departures they had last season. It's not the same Tulane team from last year. Um, Tulane's um, holding Tulane. It's Tulane. Yeah. For 200 yards of total offense and under 100 yards rushing, that's all in the season opening game. It shows they were prepared. That's great. But I don't believe in Clayton Toon, the quarterback. He had two costly turnovers against a weak Tulane secondary. And I think the BYU defense offers a much a much tougher challenge for Tune, and we can find out if he's if he's a contender or a pretender here. And Houston's ground ground game was average. He, they didn't really help Tune. They only they did not feature a hundred yard rusher, rusher last week, and BYU's only allowing seventy yards rushing per game. Right. They held a triple option run first team Navy to under three and a half yards per carry. 
outstanding. That is discipline. That is physicality. That is focus. That is great scheming, game planning, whatever you want to say. And I don't think this Houston team is even on the same level as this BYU team. Uh, to be completely honest with you, if they would have had De'Aaron King, we it's a whole nother story. But Clayton Toon's not going to outduel Zach Wilson this weekend. I'm just being 100% honest with you guys. And I think BYU and Zach Wilson are legit contenders right now. I think this Houston team is still warming up. Like you said, only one game compared to BYU's four. BYU's red hot right now. And I think the Cougars from out there, you know, in Utah, they're going to make a huge statement this weekend traveling to Houston. I have BYU 52 to 24. Wow. Over Houston. Wow. I mean, I, I don't know about all that. Um, I'm going to go, I, I mean, you have to remember uh, San Antonio held them to 27 points. So I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with BYU 35 Houston, uh, 10. Uh, there you go. But guys, we're moving back into some power five football here. You have the number five North Carolina Tar Heels headed down to Tallahassee to take on the Florida state Seminoles in a matchup where UNC is a 13 point favorite. Brandon, I don't have much confidence in this matchup offering more other than a stat padding session for the Tar Heels, but do you feel any differently? No, dude. And and honestly, I'm I'm shocked that this game is on the uh, is on the panel. Uh, this is ridiculous. Hey, we had to pick something. I mean, you got to remember like the LSU Florida game was canceled, um, you know, uh, all these other games like were just unranked teams. I mean, this was actually one of the better matchups of the weekend. Right. Florida and, State played well against Notre Dame last weekend. They were winning late in the second quarter. Yeah, yeah, that's and, and that's just because Notre Dame's overrated. But no, yeah. and it's also because they finally benched James Blackman. They did, and that he's look in their four games. James Blackman got benched. This I mean, he got benched this one game, and he's not even the leading passer on the team anymore. That's insane. Yeah, and, and, and the backup quarterback is their leading rusher too. Uh, is I mean his stats look good. I understand he's played in more than one game. That was that was me. That was like a hyperbole, guys. But uh, still, I mean, I mean, 426 yards on the season passing is pretty good. 43 um, 43 carries for 235 yards through four games is still pretty good if you're Florida State, and he has both of those stats. So I mean, good on him. I mean, Brandon, this is going to be bad. The Florida State defense giving up over 450 yards per game while UNC is averaging over 500. Yeah, no, it's, it's going to be a real bad matchup. And Florida State's giving up over 30 points a game, but we just saw UNC score almost 60. Yeah, we did. Against Last Virginia week. Tech, against a much yeah. better ACC team. Yep, and, you know, yes, Jordan Travis, he's taken over the QB1 role. I mean, he's played well, but... Like you said, Brandon, the bar was set so low that I don't know if he could have went under it. Yeah. The bar uh, was buried. He would, have to dig, he would have to dig under the bar to get under it. And a lot of his stats, yeah, they look good, but a majority of them came against Jacksonville State, a D2 team. And I have a lot of questions, Brandon. Will Travis be able to protect the ball? Because if, if he can't, you already know what UNC's offense is going to do with extra possessions, especially if – they get good field position, it's a wrap. They are going to get it into playmakers' hands, and it's going to get ugly real fast down in Tallahassee. And is he going to be able to, even if he plays well, do you trust him to keep pace with one of the best offenses in the country? No, I absolutely don't. Well, uh, this North Carolina defense is, is kind of bad, so maybe. 
North Carolina defense is actually really good. What are you talking about? I mean, they're really good. They've Their stats are inflated from last week, but hit, like you're going to say Hendon Hooker in that offense what? and Khalil Her- Herbert. They is, almost lost yeah. to Boston College. They gave Boston up. College is about to be ranked in their three and one. Oh, that's pretty sick, Zach. That's pretty sick. I mean, that's that's pretty they good for it. you had finishing top five in the ACC. I did, but you had North Carolina finishing top two in the ACC, Zach. Yes, that, that's all good. I, they're still going to because Notre Dame is garbage. We saw what Miami is. P- pretty good. They just played Clemson. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> maybe, maybe. Well, well, I don't know. But listen, uh, Brandon, if, if there was a confidence building exercise for UNC, it's this weekend. Yeah. Um, I don't think, you know, uh, really and truly, Brandon, okay, it's not Brandon's gambling segment right now. Not yet. Do you think they, do you think they can make a run at seven, 800 yards total offense? Oh, my gosh. I, they put up almost 700 last week. Yeah, they, they did. Um. I know because they they their starters probably won't be playing come the second half. I mean, okay, so I'm just gonna let you know. I'm gonna give you some stats. They give up over 50 to Miami. I think this UNC offense is better than Miami's offense, especially at wide receiver and running back. Okay, they gave up over 40 to Notre Dame. I don't think there's a player on the Notre Dame offense that can compare to Michael Michael Carter, Javante Williams. Right. Um and. This is probably the weakest defense they've faced yet, I think. And Florida State is giving up over 250 uh, through the air. Um, you know, Daz Newsom and Diami Brown are probably the two best wide receivers Florida State has seen this season. And Brandon, they gave up over 300 yards rushing to Notre Dame last week. And we just saw UNC rush for 400 against Virginia Tech. Yeah, we did. Man, I don't know. It's... I don't think that realistically they can reach that number, Zach. And I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with what I already said. They're they're start. You you really think that that uh, that they're going to keep Sam Howell in in the fourth quarter? I don't know. Uh, uh, they put up over 300 yards total offense in the first half last week. But the thing is, they they've played other than the Syracuse game, which was a lot closer than the score indicated. They've played these games really close with these teams, and he's had to play throughout the whole game, and that's why they're putting up these huge numbers. I mean, that's why they're averaging over 500 yards of total offense a game. And so, you know, what what happens when when they play a team that's not on the same level, like a Florida State, a, a team that is not going to compete? I don't know. I, I just I have no confidence. If that's a if that's a prop bet in Brandon's gambling corner, Sam Howell will not play a snap. <laughs> it's not um but i don't know if i would pass very much this weekend brandon i mean javante williams and michael carter might eat alive this florida state front seven uh yeah. i don't know if you're gonna have to even put the ball in daz newsom's hands um at all but listen i don't uh, this is enough i don't want to i don't, I don't want to rub it in on florida state fans but I don't think this game is close. I think UNC puts up another record-breaking performance down in Tallahassee. The Mike Norvell era continues. It's a horrendous start. Brandon, this is going to shock you. I have North Carolina 63, Florida State 20. Uh, yeah, that does kind of shock me. You know, the spread set at, at, at 13, minus 13, North Carolina. I think they do cover this. Uh, I think they do cover the spread. So I'm going to go with North Carolina f- mm. North Carolina, 48, uh, Florida State, uh, 14. 
I like it. I like it. So we're sticking in the ACC. Two teams we literally probably just fully discussed last last game, but we have Boston College traveling to Virginia Tech, number twenty three in the country. Virginia Tech is a eleven and a half point favorite. Blows my mind. I don't know how is that high, but this is a huge game for the ACC. Uh, I guess championship pitcher. Uh, both teams are fighting for their position right at that second tier beneath Clemson. Uh, Virginia Tech's coming off to a loss against UNC. Like we said, they had a lot of defensive losses that really hurt them. While Boston College, Brandon, coming off a huge upset of Pitt in overtime where special teams ended up benefiting the Eagles just a small small bit. So break down this game for us. What do you see in this matchup? I don't know, man, because like you said, I don't understand how, how the spread is that big. I think both of these teams are really good. I think Boston College is legitimately a good football team, and I think they'll continue to grow. Um, into more and more of just like a real competitive football team. I mean, Phil Jerkovic, I understand I said Jerkovic in the past. I've heard it both ways. I'm going with Jerkovic this week. Um, he has nearly 1,200 yards passing so far, eight touchdowns and only two interceptions. And that's what this team is. This team is a pass. They're, they are a uh, – what, what would you even what would you even call them, Zach? What would you call this offense? I mean, it's like an air, air raid. raid. Yeah. yeah, I'll call it air raid. It's an air raid. I mean, their leading receiver has 405 yards and four touchdowns in the yard uh, on the game. Um, oh, on the year. Jeez. Um, That's I'm, tough. Words are escaping you today, my guy. Words are tough. I mean, people know I can't read, but I didn't know I couldn't speak. So uh, we're, we're working through it, guys. We're getting better every week. So um, Zach Flowers, obviously a huge threat um, for this Boston College offense. And – on the flip side, you see kind of the exact opposite at quarterback. You in in uh, in oh, what's his name? I, I'm blanking on his team on his name right now. It's uh, Braxton Bursmeyer. That's what it is, um, or Burmeister. Um, he's he's not playing. He's not playing. Yeah, no, they actually announced Hendon Hooker is the starter this weekend. That's right. He got benched during the uh, USC uh, during game. The last game. Yeah, which good because Braxton Burmeister. Is is might just be a trash can is, is what he might be. He had under 400 yards in the year, one touchdown, one interception. Hendon Hooker, I mean, he played last season. I don't understand. Did he get? Well, he, he was out for COVID. That's right. That's right. Good you for Hendon Hooker. Struggling, struggling today. I'm having. Well, to be completely, I mean, to be totally transparent <laughs> with you, Zach, uh, I'm not a big Virginia Tech or Boston College guy. So That's sue me. True. That's true. I'm going to sue you. I mean, but Brandon, like like you said, Boston College throws the ball all over the yard with their air raid attack. Virginia Tech, a little bit stronger, still pretty depleted in their secondary. They had opt-outs. They had injuries, COVID. All this hurt this Hokies defensive unit, but they're almost back to full strength. And like you said, in, I'm going to go with Jerkovic. I like that one better. It makes more sense to me. Um, he's been spectacular this season, like you said. I mean, between the numbers, 10 to 20 yards down the field, Jerkfish has been elite. 14 for 22, 200 yards, two touchdowns, and graded out over a 93 by Pro Football Focus in those types, in those throws. He's been accurate, efficient, shown the ability to attack all levels of the field. And Virginia Tech struggled with that explosive UNC offense last week, but I thought they played a lot better in the second half when they made some adjust, adjustments. I expect Virginia Tech to be much improved after more players return and that chemistry is one week stronger because just jumping right back into conference play is so tough. But, Brandon, I think you agree with me here. 
The X factor is Khalil Herbert. I mean, this kid has been eating against everybody. He should get to Zeke. Yes, for uh, it blows my mind. He's averaging ten yards per carry this late in the season. Five touchdowns. He's the spark plug for this offense, and he opens up the whole playbook because once he gets going, it allows Hendon Hooker to absolutely find his rhythm. And speaking of Hendon Hooker, he had a 21-point deficit before he even got to take a snap last week. He's going to bring more versatility to this offense. He opens up more of the playbook just based on his athleticism. He showed elite elite leadership skills where he makes his teammates better. As soon as he was inserted in the game last week, that team immediately played better and started to get back on this comeback train where they almost came back against UNC. Um. You know, I think this game is a lot closer than the spread might suggest, but I think Herbert running the ball is going to help the Hokies keep Jerkovich and Boston College on the sidelines. I think he's too physical, too explosive. I think Hendon Hooker is back. He's He gets to start a whole game. That's going to make a world of difference. He's going to outduel Jerkovich this weekend in an ACC thriller. I have Virginia Tech 30, Boston College 28 this weekend. It is going to be a close one, Zach. Um, and sometimes in life, a wise man once told me, you have to go out on a ledge. And so I'm going with Boston College with the victory for this weekend. I, I like the air raid. I think the air raid absolutely smothers Virginia Tech, Zach. What what have I been calling Virginia Tech? What's that What's that F word? Oh, frauds. They're frauds. frauds. And they proved that to me last week. Uh, they proved it to me the week before when they just barely edged Duke out. So, I, I mean, I'm, so, I'm going to continue with it. It's a really bad look. So I'm going to continue with it. Boston College. This air raid is borderline unstoppable. Um, I think they get it done this weekend. I'm going to go with 35-31 Boston College. Oh, like it. I like it. But we got our last ACC matchup of the day. We got Pitt riding that two-game losing streak, which they've lost both games by a combined two-point margin. (laughs) One-point losses two straight weeks for Pitt. They're going up against the Miami Hurricanes, who are looking to rebound from a beatdown at the hands of Clemson, where they were ex- they were exposed as pretenders in the college football playoff race for this season. Brandon, Miami is a 10.5-point favorite. Which team gets their season back on track this week? Oh, this is so tough to me. I mean, not really, <laughs> but kind of, because I don't really know what to expect. I mean, when, when Pitt's on, they're on and 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 you pointed this out to me before the show started Kenny Pickett has more passing yards than any quarterback in the country right now which is an absolutely insane stat but you want to know what makes it worse he also leads the country in completable passes that have been dropped yeah that's that's really I mean because it should be higher that's a bad stat and second is your boy Miles Brennan yeah good for him good for Miles and (laughs) People want him benched. I don't understand, but I mean, they do. Uh, Anyway, back to Kenny Pickett. So apparently just no one knows if he's going to be playing this weekend, which is kind of a big factor for me Um, because if Kenny Pickett's out of this game, then that, I mean, all bets are off. I mean, this, this Miami team blows the spread, the 13 point spread out of the water. And this game, it, it gets ugly if Kenny Pickett doesn't play. But if Kenny Pickett does play, and if his receivers decide, you know what, we're going to uh, we're, we're going to catch balls this week, and we're going to run, and we're going to score touchdowns, then yeah, uh, this this pit team might actually have a chance. 
but I'm not I'm not sure that that happens. <laughs> you want to go ahead on one more limb real quick, Zach? What's up? This is this is props to Pitt here. Derek King's going to throw a, a couple more interceptions this weekend. Yeah, I agree. I think so. I think Paris Ford gets two. You think he? Get, I think he gets one. I, I could see one, and then someone else on this. I mean, this Pitt defense is good. Uh, we're not. I feel like we haven't talked about that enough. They're only allowing 263 point uh, yards points yards a game. Um, <laughs> it's like no wonder they're three and two. He can't right. score 200 points a game, right? And this and this Pitt team. I mean, they're playing. They're playing pretty good competition. I mean, they they. I guess other than other than Austin P and Syracuse, but they beat Louisville, who was good at the time um, and probably still are decent. Uh, lost to a North Carolina State team, and I'll, we'll we'll just skip right over that. And then just barely got beaten out by a really good Boston College team, and they were you know they were able to hold uh, Phil Jerkovic uh, to I can't remember the exact. Uh, stat line, but they were, they only held them to 31 points on the, uh, on the game. And that's in overtime, you know, in regulation, it was obviously less than that. Um, and who knows what the outcome would have been if, if Pitt's uh, kicker could make a field goal or make an extra point. So I don't know, man, th- th- that, that is a fact. That is a fact. So yeah, I, th- I think that this, uh, I think this game is heavily reliant on whether or not Kenny Pickett plays. And I think that's going to be a, play a big factor in this game. But either way, I think Miami wins this game. I think that it's it's a, a much smaller victory, and I think Pitt covers the spread if Kenny Pickett plays. But if not, I don't know. Like I said, blow right out of the water. Yeah, you see, I think Paris Ford is going to have double-digit tackles. He's going to have two picks. And Brandon – you know what the biggest thing is? What is the one weakness of this Miami offense? Uh, tell me. The offensive line. That's it. Did you know Pitt already has 25 sacks this year? Yeah, that's because their they're, they're defense is just unstoppable. I mean, their defensive line to their linebackers to their DBs, insane. Listen, Patrick Jones, the second, seven sacks already this year. I think he's going to eat. If you want to keep going, you got Rashad Weaver, four and a half sacks this year already. He's going to eat. Kalaja can't see. He's been kind of quiet. He's got one and a half sacks. I think he gets him one this weekend. I think this pit team can make a run eight, nine sacks this game. I think that Miami office line is that bad. It got exposed last week against Clemson. This, this pit defensive line can rank up there with anybody. I think. This is a terrible matchup for Miami because they need Cameron Harris in that run game to take pressure off of De'Aaron King or things get iffy. And I really think this front seven of Pitt is going to shut down Cameron Harris. It's going to put a lot of pressure on King. I think he's going to throw interceptions. He's going to get stressed. I think the morale of this Miami team was altered by the, what happened last weekend because, yes, like they just fell at the hands of Clemson, but they got embarrassed by Clemson. They did, yeah. It it wasn't even close. It wasn't even competitive. And, you know, when you think you're the number seven team in the country and you come crashing down to earth when Clemson toys with you like your unranked Division two team, it, it, it plays a big factor. I mean, like you said, Pitt's only allowing 52 yards per rush, just over 200 yards to the air. So I think this defense is going to limit Miami a lot. I think Kenny Pickett's going to play. I don't think he's going to let – uh, Pat Narduzzi keep him out. I think he's leading the uh, the country in passing. He's going to want to keep that up. 
I think he's going to play. I think he's going to take advantage of a weaker Miami secondary that's allowing almost 250 yards through the air for the season right now. I always say this, defense travels, Brandon. Defense travels, offenses not so much. I think Pitt's defense is going to make the final difference here. I'm going with Pitt with the upset 28-27 over Miami this weekend. See, Pitt always has a couple of those in a the season. They always have those games where people kind of count them out, and then they they just show up and shock you. I mean, Clemson a couple of years ago, obviously, uh, is is the basic example of that. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I definitely agree with you on, on the morale being carried over, and I think it's a mixture of that and this Miami team going, "Oh, we're playing Pitt," and so they're. I don't know if they're going to come quite as prepared as they should. And, and yeah. yeah, it's a home game, sure, for Miami, but. I think there's first of all, I think their stadium holds like 10,000 people. There's like six people at that college who cares. And with COVID, I guess Florida's opening back up. So who knows who's going to be there? I don't think there's a real home field advantage. Is what I'm saying. Um, no, because this is in the NFL stadium too. And also yeah, Brett right. Lashley, Brett Lashley, um, the offensive coordinator, I've watched him all his whole time at Auburn. He struggles with good defensive schemes and talented defenses, and that's what this Pitt team is. I don't know if he's going to be able to move the ball against a defense like Pitt, and I think that's it's it's just like I don't believe that this I don't believe this Miami offense has enough momentum right now to get past this Pitt team, and this Pitt team is much much more desperate for a win compared to Miami. That's true. I mean, they lose this one; they drop to three and three, and that. I, I don't know. And they dropped two and three and in the conference. Two, and they're two th- they're three points away, four points away from being undefeated right now. And probably in the top fifteen, top twelve. Yeah, I agree. And I think ah, this hurts. I think after this weekend they're gonna be four points away from being undefeated. I think they I think they dropped this game to Miami twenty one to twenty. Oh, that's cold. That is cold. But guys, we got the biggest matchup of the year. It's the last match we're going to cover here. Number three, Georgia travels to Tuscaloosa to take on the number two, Alabama Crimson Tide. Alabama is a six-point favorite for now. Uh, Some breaking news here on the Blue Bloods as we were recording. The announcement came out that Alabama head coach Nick Saban and AD and the Alabama AD both tested positive for COVID. So he they um he will not be coaching this weekend against Georgia. Offensive coordinator Steve Sarkeesian has taken over preparation as, and is expected to be the interim head coach. Brandon, that's a huge thing. I feel like this line is going to shift dramatically. And you got the Georgia Bulldogs coming in, coming off of two dominant top 15 wins, in, coming into the third straight top 15 matchup. Your thoughts here? Matt, Zach, you were not wrong about the line shifting because it already has. Uh, Alabama is a four-point favorite right now, and I don't know. Oh, that I, is I, quick. I know, and I, I think it moves even quicker. I think it's. I think it's gonna. I think. I think Georgia might end up being the favorite by the time this game starts. I agree. They, they should. Yeah, I, well, I don't know. This Alabama team is really good. People people don't talk about it enough. But what I think this really comes down to is we're going to see probably the best defense in the SEC go up against probably the best offense in the SEC. Um, and then on the other side of the ball, we see we see a pretty good um, Georgia offense uh, led by Stetson Bennett. I don't know. I'm not as high on this kid as you are. Um, go up against this Alabama defense that gave up 48 points to Ole Miss last week. So I I think this is going to be – I think it's a pretty evenly matched game. Um, 
it is in Alabama. I'm not sure what their guy, I think it's 25% of their stadium, but 25% is still loud in Bryant Denny. Um, man, this is going to be such a good game. This is going to be such a good game. Yeah. And uh, uh, it's the match, the matchup of the week for me, honestly, is that explosive Alabama offense against this suffocating Bulldogs defense. Like you said, that is the matchup of the year right now. I mean, Brandon, the Bulldogs grade out over 80 by pro football focus on every single defensive category that they can rank. Yeah. And they rank over 90 um, or like grade out over 90 in total defense and run defense. And they're only allowing a total of 236 yards per game and 12 points per game. And this is the most outrageous stat I heard all day. They're allowing 38 rushing yards per game, Brandon. That is crazy. That is insane. And they faced two top, t- two top, what, 14 teams in a row? Yeah. Who both like to run the ball. But neither one of them have a Najee Harris. That is that is also a fact. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Well, on the flip side, like you said, Alabama averaging over 560 yards per game, 50, 50 points per game. That is inflated as hell after that Ole Miss I don't even know what to call it. Shootout. They also, they also scored over fifty against Texas A and M. A and M. Yeah, and Missouri, well, no, they still scored thirty five against Missouri, but that's a yeah, uh, that's tough. But I guess hey, Missouri looks like they're pretty good. But um, I don't know. I don't know about that. I'll stop you right there. <laughs> I don't know about that. Oh man! But listen, the passing attack is explosive. The running is bruising and methodical behind Najee Harris. The, the biggest question is, Brandon, I mean, they're obvious. Is Georgia going to be able to shut down Najee Harris and force Mac Jones to win a game? We haven't seen that happen yet. In his entire time as his quarterback for Alabama, we have not seen someone stop Najee Harris and put it all on Mac Jones. Um, will the Alabama wide receivers exploit the Georgia secondary? More on that later, but that's a huge question. And can the Alabama offensive line protect Mac Jones? This Georgia defense is ridiculous they will get to the quarterback repeatedly they put pressure force them into bad situations the Alabama offensive line has to be ready to go immediately in this matchup and these are only just a handful of the keys to the game and whichever team answers these the best is gonna escape this game as the winner and you hate on my boy Stetson Bennett he's my x-factor for the game he's performed well so far yes he did it boringly but guess what he's winning Brandon and this is the challenge unlike he's ever faced. He's completed over 63% of his passes, almost 700 yards, five touchdowns. But the biggest stat in the world, Brandon, zero turnovers from the former walk-on. Yeah. And if that continues, I think the Bulldogs have a good chance of leaving Tuscaloosa with a win. Um, and the like I said on, I think, one of our recap episodes after the Auburn game, the formula has been simple for Bennett. Protect the ball, which he has, zero turnovers. Get the ball to playmakers. He's getting it to both running backs, Samir White and uh, James Cook. He's getting it out to his wide receivers in space. Can he be be mobile and move the chains? He's mobile out of the pocket. When the pocket collapses, he can roll out and make a play downfield, and he consistently moves the chains. Yes, it might be third and seven, but guess what? We're getting the first down, two in that clock, getting the first down, two in that clock. The Georgia-Auburn game lasted like an hour and a half because they just chewed the clock. They were just nine-minute drive, ten-minute drive, nine-minute drive, ten-minute drive. It's it's flawless, and that's how you're going to have to beat Alabama because you cannot let this offense just sit on the field and throw deep balls on you all day. Right. At, you've got to take – you. if Georgia doesn't win the time of possession battle, Brandon, they're going to lose this game. You think so? 
Yes, they have to control the time of possession in this game. I don't know, man. I I I, I kind of think it's I don't I'm not going to say the opposite, but but really I, I think Alabama's got to keep up to win this game. In all honesty, I mean this offense has to really really perform and we've seen them perform week in week out so far this season. And we've seen them obviously seasons past as well, but we haven't really seen an Alabama team like this in a while where, where their offense, I mean, is insanely good and then their defense is like okay i mean other than last season when have we seen that out of alabama yeah not much i mean against clipson and the natty yeah in 18 but they got out embarrassed this alabama offense has to perform and they've shown us that they can but i mean I'm, I'm talking about mac jones needs to go out and be flawless he can't give up these turnovers this Alabama O line has to hold up, like you said, because this Georgia uh, defensive line and and they are spectacular. Um, I don't know uh, this this game's going to be so good, Zach. Yeah, I agree. And you know, I was Bennett's performance is going to be talked about after this game. If it's positive or negative, whether it's positive or negative is the factor that's going to seal the Bulldogs' fate. And Brandon, the biggest matchup or this like. I guess down to the position positional unit that Georgia secondary against his Alabama wide receivers is going to be something to watch. Yeah. Uh, Lewis Kine, Richard LeCount, Tyreek Stevenson, Tyson Campbell. They're going to have to play their best game of the year. They're going to have to play opportun- uh, opportunistic, which they already do. They got to play discipline. They got to play physical, all these things they do week in and week out, but can they do it against the best of the best in the SEC? And for on the other side, Jalen Waddle, John Mechie, Devontae Smith, they're going to do what they're going to do, but they still have to play just as fast, just as precise with their route running, and just as confident. Brandon, hear me out here. I think this this group of wide receivers is the most confident positional unit in the entire country. And they have a just, reason to be. Yeah, just their swagger throws DBs off. I think it sucks the DBs confidence away because they're so confident and they have that like you you call it swag, you can call it whatever you want. They just walk out there and they look at you and you can see in their eyes they real deal think they're better than you. And that has to affect opponents. Yeah, it does. And oh, nine times out of ten they are better than them. That's that's a fact and that celebration Jalen Waddle does, you know that gets under people's skins where he gets in the end zone, puts his hands on his hips and just looks at you like, oh you thought, bro. You thought <laughs> you were going to stop me. And, you know, uh, the way they carry themselves is half the reason I think they're, they're as good as they are. Pushing the ball down the field is going to be a challenge, but these wide receivers are going to have to do what they do best, and that is get behind this Georgia secondary and score as many points as possible. But, Brandon, for picks, I think the Nick Saban loss is going to be too much to overcome. Georgia's been tested and proven against two top 15 teams. Alabama – only face one ranked team, and they were overmatched, and the other opponent was overmatched. I think Florida's def- Florida was a little bit overrated this year. I don't think Bama has been proven yet. I think the bull- I have the Bulldogs close here because I think this defense forces Mac Jones into one too many mistakes, and they slow down. They don't stop. They slow down Najee Harris. I have Georgia Brandon twenty three to twenty over the Alabama Crimson Tide. I'm sticking with Alabama in this one, Zach. I think this offense is too good, and I think it's a low-scoring game. Uh, I know this Alabama defense is good no matter how, what we saw out of them last weekend. Um, so I'm going to go with the good old classic 21-14 Alabama. Ooh, I like it. I like it. And by the way, just to let you know, Brandon, I picked this game before Nick Saban came out. I still had Georgia, even if Nick Saban was fully healthy. Yeah, good, good for you, Zach. 
Very, yeah, very, but, very football smart. <laughs> but guys, we got one last segment here. We're going to knock it out. It Let's is go. your favorite segment, like I said earlier. It's your parents. It's your cousins. It's your entire family. It Whatever. Everyone's favorite segment, Brandon's Gambling Corner, was a staple. You it's know, the best. It, it's it's the it's the staple. Literally, if we didn't have any other segment, we'd have this one. And, and you know, instead of Brandon just listing off his picks, I'm going to throw some gambling questions at him. This is completely blind. He does not know what I'm going to ask. He's going to tell you where to place your money so you can pay off that mortgage or any other debts that you, or debts that you may have. And let's kick this off, Brandon. Super Dogs. Which ACC Superdog is going to be able to keep their game close enough to cover, to beat the spread? Are you taking Louisville plus 17.5 against Notre Dame, Georgia Tech plus 27.5 against Clemson, or Florida State plus 14.5 against North Carolina? I have to go with Louisville. Well, I already said it. I don't want to call, I don't want to call Notre Dame the F-words, but I'm so close to doing it. Um no, the, this this Notre Dame team is so overrated, and this Louisville team, yeah, they were probably overrated at the beginning of the season, but they, you know they're kind of bouncing back a little bit. Uh, we don't see, uh, well, maybe not, but I, I don't know that they can lose by more than two touchdowns in this game. Do you think they would? Do you think they there could be an upset? Absolutely not. No, <laughs> he said no. Notre Dame's going to win. Okay, no. okay. So, Brandon, you got to pick a money line here. Let's you can it. pick more than one if you want. If if you just really two or three underdogs you Fine. want, you can I'm take them. Spicy, yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. You got South Carolina plus one thirty six over Auburn. Auburn's traveling to South Carolina. Right. Kentucky plus one eighty four over Tennessee, or Mississippi State plus two ten over Texas A and M. Ooh, that's tough. Um, Dang, you, you you got this one. You got this one hard for me, Zach. I mean, I don't want to choose any of these, but if I have to choose one, I'm going to go with the real rivalry game. I'm going to go Kentucky over Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee is like good. It. Tennessee is good. Don't get me wrong, but it's a rivalry game. Anything can happen. People don't talk about that nearly enough. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I I guess I'm going to go with Kentucky over Tennessee. I don't want to, but uh, Zach's forced my hand. Listen, you know, listen, here's here's cool. Here's something that's cool. On on chart, Kentucky's predicted to win. So maybe we'll see. Maybe. <laughs> listen, if I had to pick one, I know it's not Zach's gambling corner, but Brandon, hear me out here. Uh, you know, Mike Leach's plan is always let me piss everyone off and have everyone doubting me and just pull the upset out of nowhere. Could Texas A and M be filling themselves a little bit too much after that win over Florida and Mississippi State come out of nowhere? Well, yeah, probably. I mean, I don't know. Mississippi State's really bad, Zach. They're so bad. They yeah, scored they two lost twenty. Yeah, twenty. Four, they had they, they had six turnovers compared to two points last weekend against Kentucky. Yeah, so that's that's never good. Oh man, that's tough. You know, really and truly, if you're a betting man, go with South Carolina over Auburn. I know I might, but. Um, Anyway, let's get to some over-under bets, Brandon. You get to take the over-under. Very simple here. I feel like you got this. We're going to start Texas A&M, Mississippi State. The over-under is 54 and a half. I'm going under. I, I hate choosing the under, but I'm going to go under there. I, I'm i not on the same train as you, Zach. I honestly don't know if uh, if Mississippi State can score a touchdown in this game. I, I honestly don't think they can. 
You don't think AM, I mean, AM put up what, 41 against that Florida defense? You think Mississippi State's defense is better than Florida? No, I don't think that. I just think it's a different week. I think it's a different environment. That's true. Okay. I mean, you got you to gotta feel the vibes out, Zach. Gambling is not about science, it's not about stats and analytics like you think, like you might think it is. It's about the heart and it's about what you feel. And that's why I'm, that's why, well, I'm not going to say I'm good at it. No one's good at gambling. Uh, but, but that's why I'm here. This is why it's Brandon's Gambling Corner. Oh man, but listen, your uh under your SEC money line underdog here, Kentucky, Tennessee, over under is a measly forty five and a half. Oh, you gotta hit that over. You gotta hit that over hard. Any over that's that's just a rule of thumb for me. Any any over under in the forties, you gotta hit the over. Every single one. I mean it could be baseball. And if it's I, if it's forty, I'm I like it. I like it. I like it. But listen, got some big ones here for you, Brandon. UCF and Memphis over under 73 and a half. Oh my God. Um, you know, crazy. Cr- this might be crazy, but I'm going over. Um, both of these teams, very good offense, little to no defense whatsoever to be found anywhere in the Orlando or Memphis area. So, uh, yeah, I'm going, I'm going with over. I mean, if I had to give you a, a guess as to what the score might be, I don't know. <laughs> 45 to to 48 something like that i like that that's a good prediction do you know who do you got winning uh, i'll go with ucf okay i like it i like it so so old miss arkansas over under 75 and a half uh old miss arkansas old miss can score now and apparently arkansas can too arkansas might be good you know we we, we are we I wish that would have been one of the games this this week because I I don't know Arkansas might win this one. I'm gonna go over again. I, I look you show me Ole Miss scoring forty over forty points in a week and I'm gonna hit the over every single time. Hey, I like it. I like it. So now we get close to Brandon's heart here. I always gotta ask him this: Southern Miss UTEP over under fifty four and a half. Uh, I the thing is I I don't think UTEP can score so. Uh, I'll go under. I think. I think. It, I mean, money. I mean, if you want me to guess who wins, I'm going Southern Miss. Southern Miss to the okay. top. Do, do, you, do you think they cover the six and a half point spread? Oh, that's tough because they're really bad. Um, yeah, I'll say they cover. I'll say they cover for sure. I mean, that's a lock. <laughs> that's a lock. Oh God, you, like what? Oh for two on locks the past two weeks. Uh, yeah, well, I'm one in three on on my locks. I need to study up on what a lock means. Um, lock, and, I'll give you a dictionary. I'm gonna start putting an asterisk next to my lock on on the gambling picks. <laughs> oh God! So I got two prop bets for you this week, Brandon. Fair enough. All right, I'm giving you one more shot here on Let's this go. first one. Let's go over under 450 downs played without an interception <sighs> for Trevor Lawrence. Are you finally gonna take the over here? Who are they? So give me the next two games. Who are they? I, I know who they're playing this weekend. I think with Georgia um, Tech. Georgia Tech, and who are they playing next week after that? Um, I it doesn't matter. He's going over. He's going over. Four fifty. I like it. I like the confidence. He's going over. I'm cursing him, by the way. That's what's happening. He's going do, over. Do you, uh, so if he, so it's Georgia Tech and Syracuse. Oh, way over. Oh my gosh. And then they have Boston College. So are you going over under five fifty? <laughs> Maybe. Honestly. Honestly? Over. Let's do it. Listen, listen. I'm looking at the schedule here. I don't know if there's a chance he throws an interception on, until the Thanksgiving weekend. Who do they play Thanksgiving weekend? Pitt. 
I think Pitt has uh, the ability in the back end to maybe get one. And then yeah. – but they, they play Georgia Tech, Syracuse, Boston College. Notre Dame doesn't have a good secondary. I don't think that's going to be a real threat for an interception. Right. Then they then they play Florida State. I don't even know if they're going to have a team by November 21st. And then they play Pitt. And then they play at Virginia Tech, which Virginia Tech's still missing a bunch of people. So if he goes through this entire uh, – there's a chance he might not go the year without throwing an interception. That's fair enough. That's bold. It's a bold pick here on Brandon's Gambling Corner. But, Brandon, you'll like this one. I'll let you rain a little bit to end the show. Over, under, now that Nick Saban's out – a hundred excuses from Bama fans that they lose this weekend. <laughs> it's it's going to be, if they lose, uh, just log out of Facebook.com because Bama <laughs> fans have not found, they have not found Twitter yet. You're safe there. But log out of Facebook because, good Lord, your cousin, your uncle, Zach, <laughs> over under 50 complaints from just your family alone if Alabama loses. Oh, no. Or you can give me over under a thousand if we're combining all the family members into one. <laughs> uh, j- just you know, I-, I might have a thousand from just one family member. If you want to get real specific, <laughs> um, I won't name drop on the podcast. I don't want to dox anybody, but th- there's one person who I know minimum is going to have fifty posts in-, in by the end of the first quarter. <laughs> Okay, let's, let's, let's end the show. You're gonna get in trouble. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna get in trouble. You know, I, I don't, I don't know if they know who it is or if they listen or anything. I, so I'm I just gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop before Thanksgiving gets real awkward this year or Christmas or whatever you want to say. But <laughs> guys, that ends the podcast here, man. What a loaded weekend of college football. We are hoping no more COVID cancellations, no more COVID. I. I no more COVID anything. We want to get this football season in. We'll be back Monday with another recap episode. And guys, big announcement. Um, Saturday morning, we are posting our own game day special live on Facebook, YouTube, and Periscope. Big announcements. Follow our social media at the underscore Blue Bloods Instagram, at the Blue Bloods Pod Facebook and at the underscore underscore blue bloods on Twitter. Stay tuned on all those social media platforms to hear more about our announcements, but we are going to go live before the games, break down all the games, you know, for the weekend, even ones we didn't cover here. You guys can join us, ask live questions. We will answer everything live. So please join us there. We'll, we'll, we'll send out an announcement later on that. Check out our website, thebluebloodspod.com. We've been uh, releasing weekly winners and losers articles for college football, so check those out. All the links to the podcast can be found there, Um, old interviews, episodes, everything like that. Um, But, yeah, guys, we appreciate all you guys listening. Find the podcast everywhere. Check out the Worst Tate Network while you're at it. Shout out to them. Uh, Appreciate them having us. But, guys, Rate, like, subscribe, the podcast, everything. Tell your people at church, tell your people at school, tell your people that you go fill up Florida Stadium with this weekend, whatever you want to do. Spread the word about the podcast. We appreciate it. But for right now, we out. <laughs>